On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, sorry for the wait. We're finally getting to the recap of Thursday night football again. The Eagles, I can't wait to talk about that. So, Cody, let's not hold it longer. You already know what to do. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman, joined by none other than Cody Davis, here to discuss the 29-17 loss for the Houston Texans going up against the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more. When I say more, I mean more props more odds and more lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts before we talk about the houston texan game and the breakdown a couple of things ghost rows hmm, yes philly philly they bringing it back home on saturday yes sir one more game before they can walk out that <laughs> made with the even trophy. even jalen hurst the guy that came inside nrg stadium of course you know he's from houston even he said He's rooting for the Houston Astros. So that just Absolutely. lets you know. Woo! Absolutely. That man got to come home. Hmm. We already know who the better team is. We got to talk about the Houston Texans, right? 29-17 loss. Thursday night football. Broke out the red helmets. They were looking clean. Very competitive in the first half. When the first half ended 14-14, of course, like I mentioned, the game ended 29-17. Jalen Hurts throws for 243, two TDs, zero interceptions. Four sacks, Houston front four, and some help by the DBs got after Jalen Hurts early, kind of threw him off a little bit. As a whole, the Philadelphia Eagles ran for 143, two touchdowns. Miles Sanders, 17 carries, 93 yards in the touchdown. Houston continues to be very bad at stopping the run. Goddard, eight catches, 100 yards, and one TD. We look on the opposite side for the Houston Texans. Davis Mills, a very pedestrian day, 13 out of 22 passes made, attempts made, uh, 145, 154, excuse me, passes, passing yards. I don't know what's going on. Two TDs, two interceptions, sacked three times. Damian Pierce, 27 carries, 139 yards, 5.1 uh, yards per carry. He had an amazing day in the Houston Texans total. Rush for 168 yards on the ground, average 5.3 yards per carry. Rex Burkhead, one carry for nine yards. Davis Mills, three carries for 18 yards. They only lost by 12 points, so the money line was 13 and a half. If you bet the over, you lost money. If you bet the under, you won money. But overall, tell two halves. Cody, what did you see? as you were covering the Houston Texans live from the NRG stadium. Um, I saw a team that actually actually went out there and competed. And look, I understand that it ended in a loss, and I'm not about to hit, sit here and be like, this is what I love and that's what I love. But what I will say is the fact that I truly liked how the Houston Texans were able to block out all of the noise and go out there inside NRG Stadium and actually compete to the best of their availabilities. You know, coming into the to this game, there was a lot of drama surrounding, you know, why Brandon Cooks was not playing. Lovey Smith is getting fed up at every single media availability. 
ability um, about whether or not to answer questions about Brandon Cooks. And we saw after he was not traded at the trade deadline on Tuesday, Brandon Cooks goes on basically a rant on social media where he's tweeting a whole bunch of crazy things about whether or not he's being lied to or not by this organization. Um, so you have the Brandon Cooks factor. And then you also got to take into consideration that this was a team, an offensive team who was going out there without their best wide receiver or who has been their best wide receiver this year. And that's Nico Collins. So we all like, where is the offense is going to come from outside of Damian Pierce? And then three, and most importantly, you was playing against arguably, if not the best, no lower than the second best team in the NFL coming into Thursday night's game in the Philadelphia Eagles. And everybody thought, including me, that the Houston Texans were going to go out there and get embarrassed. There was people um, debating whether or not the Eagles was going to actually score 40 points or more against the Houston Texans. And, you know, the fact that they was able to go out there and score a touchdown on their opening drive, which was the first of the season, lets me know that they were able to go out there and perform to the best of their abilities. The first half, of course, John, as you mentioned, was really good on all fronts, especially for Davis Mills, because at the half, he had a quarterback rating of 147. But as you know, he started running out of gas. Defense started running out of gas. And just overall, the Houston Texans started to collapse. However, since we're talking about the offense, after the game, I did have an opportunity to ask Davis Mills, what do he think he needs to do and the Houston Texans offense needs to do in order to stay consistent? Because this game reminded me so much of the game against the Las Vegas Raiders, where you're thinking that the Houston Texans are going to get their behinds handed to them. And the first half, it's like, oh, my God, can they put off the upset? And then next thing you know, they they lose their momentum in the second half, and then they end up losing by by a double-digit score. So just take a listen to what Davis Mills had to say. Davis, you guys scored um, 14 points in the first half. Um, what do you think you guys need to do in order to but in order to stay consistent on the offensive side of the ball, continue putting points up on the board. Um, just go out there, keep straining to sustain drives, um, limit penalties, and limit turnovers. And I mean, if we do that, I think we can play with anyone. Last one, good. And um, you know, we get into the midway point of the season. How would you best evaluate your um, performance so far this year? Um. I mean, it's hard to think too much, obviously. I got to see the film from this past game, but uh, my goals are just to continue getting better each week, um, protect the football. Could have been better at that tonight with the turnovers, but um, continue leading the guys on offense and just go out there and do my job and try to find ways to get the, the ball out on the edge to playmakers. John, before I give the floor back over to you, I do want to say this. Last week when the Houston Texans lost 17-10 to against the Tennessee Titans, Lovey Smith said that the score does not show how bad the Houston Texans actually played. However, against the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it's the complete opposite. Yes, they lost 29-17, but the scoreboard does not show how well they actually competed against the league's best team. Listen, there are a couple of positive takeaways from that first half, right? One of which, on that first drive, Houston's best drive of the year. <laughs> I, listen, when we rank, because they don't have a lot, of, a lot this year, but at the end of the year, when we start ranking their best drives, we're going to look at the top ten. Their two scoring drives from this past game against the Eagles is going to be mentioned, especially that first one. I thought that was elite play calling in that first drive. One of my biggest takeaways, 
Philidor set looks like the player Pep Hamilton needed to be the speedier receiver to take the top mm-hmm. off the defense. And that's funny because we're only seeing that because Brandon Cooks is out. And Brandon Cooks has been the captain patch leader, speedy, take the top off the defense since he arrived in Houston. It hasn't been that this year. And you were able to see that opening play, not the opening play, but in that opening drive, when Philidor set was able to get open, that seems like something maybe they've been trying to do all year, but they didn't have a, a receiver that's fast enough to get it done. Also, AJ Can coming back made that offensive line look much better in that first half. Of course, when you got to run it back going for 130 plus, whatever, um, 139, I believe, Damian Pierce went for. He's not getting it on his own. Titus Howard, uh, Laramie Tunsil, mm-hmm. and, and, and and Kenyon Green had a rough game, uh, especially in that second half. But I think on the ground, he did some good things. But AJ can really help Quisenberry out a lot in this game. And I think that what we didn't see last week with AJ can now due to illness really contributed to the entire offensive line kind of chain breaking. And that was their worst performance of the year. Also, defensively in their first half. Especially on that first drive, we saw a lot. Well, I'm not gonna say a lot, but we did see Lovey Smith call some some defensive stunts for that D D line, and I thought that was something that we've been talking about Lovey Smith rightfully so in ancient defense, not switching it up well in that first half and throughout the game. We were seeing defensive line stunts. We were seeing like uh, Stephen Nelson. And Desmond King, who, by the way, I don't know if Desmond King isn't running for an all-pro or pro bowl year, but he's playing some damn good football. But we were seeing Lovey Smith and his defense utilize them in getting after Jalen Hurts. Steven Nelson had a sack. A Desmond King on the fake where it was, we thought she was going to Miles Sanders, but he ran that perfectly, and he ended up getting a big play. I thought it should have been recorded as a sack, but it was a tackle for loss on Jalen Hurts. These were some of the things that we were seeing – in the first half that why weren't we seeing this the entire year so far? But I thought there was some good things going on in that first half. Um, they had a very difficult time containing Hargraves. He was a monster, but overall the offensive line did a very good job. And I also thought that the referees on the second drive for Philly, uh, no, the first drive for Philly, Houston is already up at this point, I believe. They missed a holding call. Uh, they was missing some calls out there that I thought really should have went in the favor of Houston, which possibly could have swung that first half. Both of the, that drive that I was mentioning, um, the Philadelphia Eagles did score on. So in that first half, we were seeing some creativity out of the play calling and some aggressiveness out of the play calling on both sides of the ball. Credit to Pep Hamilton for not just sitting there, no, none of your top receivers are playing, and not being complacent and just figuring out we're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. He was mixing the things up early in the game, and I respect that. Lovey Smith, also very critical of him so far up until this point this year. In that first half, being very aggressive, sending some extra guys to get after the quarterback and help stop the run, mixing it up with the defensive front and trying to cause some type of confusion to help out your linebackers and your DBs and get after the quarterback in a way that hasn't been happening so far this year. Jerry Hughes, two sacks, and they lead the game with four sacks total. Kurt Hennish. His first sack of the year, I, I believe. So in that first half, they did a very good job of mixing it up. The second half is where it got a little bit tricky. And I think that's where Houston really lost the game. Well, I think that's where they lost the game. 
This episode is brought to you by Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market. You can now invest in professional athletes just like stocks. It's a lower risk alternative to sports betting and athletes prices move based on performance and supply and demand. For example, if you invested in Jalen Hurts one year ago, you'd be up 48.2%. Rashad Penny is up 154% and Kyle Pitts is down 44.12% after struggling to start the year. You can invest in four sports, not just NFL, UFC, NBA, and MLB. Hopefully you invested in Pena because, boy, you would have been up some money. And everyone knows you should be investing, but why not invest in what you actually know as football fanatics? So download the Prediction Strike app and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for a free share when you sign up and make your first deposit of $20 or more. That's promo code LOCK, L-O-C-K-E-D, for a special one-time giveaway. Invest in what you know on Prediction Strike, the stock market for sports. Well, I, you know, first off, Jalen Hurts, you know, I, I made a statement this past week. I think he's improved more than, maybe more than every player in the NFL. Outstanding player with what and he, he can throw the ball and what he's mobile, he's a big guy to, to bring down, but led by Jerry, I uh, thought they did a good job of keeping him, you know, contained for the most part. That was a great play by him on that third and long, that last draw that he ran. But uh, great players make those type of plays. But like a lot of the things we, we were doing up front and really the front seven. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this recap Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And what you just heard, um, after Thursday's game, I had an opportunity to ask Lovey Smith about the way the Houston Texans defended Jalen Hurts. Because early on in the week, um, Jalen, um, not Jalen Hurts, Lovey Smith was asked about trying to contain Jalen Hurts. Because as we all know, Jalen Hurts is basically the prototypical um, 2022 dual threat quarterback. Um, he could beat you with his arms, which, by the way, I 100% agree with Lovey Smith. I think he is one of has been one of the best improved players this year because the way he's been throwing the ball this year has been phenomenal. Much improved from his first two years in the league. But with all that being said, he is a quarterback that can beat you with his arms. And if he can't beat you with his arms, he could, of course, beat you with his legs. And, John, you said something that I want to go back to. Um, the first half, especially in the first quarter, I saw Lovey Smith kind of change up his defense a little bit. You saw you saw you saw them running stunts. I actually saw Lovey Smith run a couple blitzes towards Jalen Hurst's way. However, in the second half, he went back to his Tampa 2 defense, and that is really when Jalen Hurst really got things going. That's really when the whole entire Philadelphia Eagles offense started to get things going on the offensive side of the ball and the one thing that I just cannot understand for the second year in the row I don't understand how Lovey Smith can just sit there and watch a quarterback just attack the soft part of that zone defense and just go to work on him I just do not understand that yeah it was getting Thursday, very frustrating it was on Thursday, and I can't wait till the All-22 come out. And I think I'm really going to watch this one, John, so don't worry. But on Thursday, 
Jalen Hurts went 21 for 27 for 243 yards. But I counted at least seven or eight passes where his target was wide open, just attacking the middle of that zone defense. John, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I think that this was a missed opportunity for the Texans, but on both sides of the ball, I think the one of the issues that the Texans need to do is just step outside of their comfort zone. Because when you see the play callers like Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, when they step outside of their play, their, their their comfort zone, you actually see the Houston Texans on both sides of the ball play better, especially Davis Mills. Finally, Davis Mills had an opportunity to use his legs. Step outside of your comfort zone and you play better. If you play better, you look more competitive. If you look more competitive, you can actually win a football game. Yeah, the second half for me was a head scratcher. And I and I mean this by every sense of the word. 14-14 at half. You got the best, at least record-wise, team on the ropes, right? Right before the half, they miss a field goal. And you're going into the in the half, like, okay, we got them. We got them. And from that moment, you allow 15 points. You only scored th- three points. Now, I think in the second half, the offense wasn't clicking. I think the Brevin Jordan hold really threw out that offense, the rhythm they was trying to get into. But defensively, Cody, I cannot uh, disagree with you with this. The zone defense really hurt them. The zone defense was hurting them throughout the game, honestly. But in the first half, they was competitive on, on, on the offensive side of the ball, which is something they haven't been consistently throughout the game, throughout this year so far. And they was able to get after the quarterback, right? Getting some fumbles, right? Getting, you know, uh, causing some sacks. And by the way, Jerry Hughes with seven sacks on the year was completely whooping Mulata's ass on Thursday. Like, it was easy to get after the quarterback for him. Uh, But when we look at the the issue for Houston, I think in the second half, we have been critical of Lovey Smith. But we got to look at the fact that they do have some guys out on that field in situations that they normally wouldn't be in. Um, like Okoronkwo has been completely just unplayable. The biggest disappointment. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I don't think he's the biggest. I think Davis Mills holds that crown. Well, offseason acquisition, that is. Okoronkwo has been completely unplayable. And then – there was an issue, and I want to really go back and watch the film because I don't know if it was Rex Burkhead not being able to pick up the free man coming off the edge uh, as his assignment, or did he just make a play? So that's something that I really want to look at. But the almost interception uh, sack that led to a Davis Mills interception. Um, and this is where the game starts to speed up for Davis Mills a little bit and he's just not ready or he's just not processing it on the fly as you may would want him to. Um, but for Houston, when they played against the Eagles in that second half, I really have to look at, and I'm glad you mentioned it, the amount of times that I saw A.J. Brown with nobody around him. Exactly. The amount of times throughout the entire game where I'm looking at Goddard, who's a damn good tight end, by the way, there's nobody around him. Um, the amount of times where I'm looking at Stingley and I'm wondering whether or not he's confused to run with the man that's in his area, which is probably what he's been used to his entire life, or does he need to drop down and stay 
in that zone to cover the flats or the curls, right? And so these are some of the questions I can't wait to go back and evaluate on. I think that assignments was just difficult for him. Christian Harris, I think, had a better game than what he did in his in his debut game. Uh, made some very good plays overall, and the game is just coming to him a little bit better than what it was when he first played in that first game. Only had one tackle in game two against the Eagles. Five tackles. Got to be very happy about what Houston was able to do, though. Seven tackles for loss, four sacks, one pass deflection, five QB hits. This was a game defensively, I will remind you, mainly of this was in the first half, that they were just putting it all together and it was getting creative. And it makes me wonder why did that go out the door in the second half. Uh, but, again, impressive game by the Texans. Like I didn't think that this was a game that they was going to have any chance in. One guy called me a slob knobber or <laughs> on YouTube because I'm a realist. I thought Philly was going to beat the Texans. They did, and I thought it was going to be worse. I'm not slob knobbing, sir. Maybe you're a slob knobber for believing the Texans <laughs> were going to just win the game. But super competitive. I think what we have an issue with is just why hasn't this been consistent? whether it's a half here or a half there or a drive here or a drive there. Houston really hasn't been able to put that all together for four quarters all year. And ultimately, that's what led them to losing against the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday. By the way, the intro for the Thursday night football. Hmm. Listen, man. That H-Town field, man, was real good to see. So – I loved it. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions can make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidate for free and faster. Post your job at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. For your second listen today, make sure you check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the most exciting and biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Cody, I know you're about to get into it, but I got to circle back, man. Having Mike Jones narrated, having the swingers, <laughs> having having you know everything that captures the essence of Houston's culture, which I think I'm, I'm stepping out of sports. I think Houston's culture has been bitten, stolen, and the credit hasn't been given to Houston's culture, whether it's musically or the way that we, we live our lives as it should. But as a Houstonian, 
born and raised from the <laughs> 90s, listening to SUC. Uh, as I got older, at some point in my life, I decided to listen to Swisher House. But looking at that and having Mike Jones, who you ask a lot of people, when was the last time you listened to Mike Jones or heard Mike Jones? <laughs> having Mike Jones narrate, man, was phenomenal. Um, it, it just, it really did something for my spirit, uh, my spirit. And I love to see it. By the way, having Philly fans stay in the stadium and sing their Philly war song was completely disrespectful. And I and, and what made it even worse, where was your Captain Cooks to help out with all that? But it was okay. It was okay because Shout majority. Tonsil, who had that seal on his chest, man. Oh, yes, sir. the big guys that got to take up for what the little guys messing up. <laughs> yes, sir. But I want to say. Yes, it was disrespectful, especially at times it felt like this was a Philadelphia Eagles home game. However, shout out once again to the Houston Astros because just about everybody inside NRG Stadium stayed to see who was going to win an epic Game 5 series um, against the Astros and the Phillies. And you look, put it like this. It felt good seeing the city of Houston come out on top, but it also felt good watching the rookie running back damian pierce put on another performance john i said it last week i'm gonna say it again if there was a title for mvp of the houston texans this season you have to give it to damian pierce this guy for what the third time this season has put this offense on his back and helped them stay competitive throughout another game before moving on i'm gonna play this clip again running back coach danny barrett is extremely the happiest guy in houston to finally have some talent to coach well it's been good you know uh again it's the first time that i've been here that we actually drafted a back you know which is good you know and not to say the guys that we brought in before weren't good ball players but it was good we drafted a back knowing that you know a position that we wanted to upgrade and i think uh nick and the scouting department you know the college scouts done a great job you know being able to find a guy like damien when everybody else looked over him we was able to bring him in so he's come in he's complimented the guys that we have in the room i think like i said before the depth in which we have and the quality of people we have at this position right now it is is wonderful you know i've had good guys in the past here great ball players uh but the overall talent of the room right now is uh, at, on top shelf for me once again um damian pierce rushed for a career high 139 yards and as of right now he sits with a total of 678 yards and of course as of right now he is listed as the fourth highest rushing running back in the game as of right now of course once week what, 39 eight. yards from last week <laughs> where he really didn't get his juices going exactly and look after week eight i'm pretty sure he's gonna go down a little bit but john here we are just finished a week week eight for the houston texans going into week nine he sits at 678 there is a great possibility that if this young man stay healthy and if this young man continue to produce like he has the first half of the season damian pierce is definitely going to crack over 1,000 yards in rushing, which will be the first time the Houston Texans had a running back to do so since Carlos Hyde in 2019. Damian Pierce may be a pro bowler this year. I, I believe so. <laughs> I think that's a great – that's great, right? Like, the Texans are bad. 
the uh, the, the team has a lot of chaos. They've been chaotic for the past three seasons, mm. right? Uh, guys are getting fired mid seasons. A guy that like with everything that's going on, Damian Pierce making a Pro Bowl, and he shouldn't be the only one. Laramie Tunsil, like Laramie Tunsil, should be a Pro Bowler. Um, Jerry Hughes keeps this up. How can you deny him from being a Pro Bowler? My biggest takeaway, one of my biggest takeaways, and we'll get to this throughout the week as we continue to, to discuss the Houston Texans. They will be preparing for the New York Giants. Without Brandon Cooks in that first half, Philip Dorsett responded. And when I say this, it looks like he provided Pep Hamilton the speed Brandon Cooks has not been able to do. Hmm. Provide, excuse me. Um, and I and I we gotta we gotta we have to acknowledge that because that was a great response to Brandon Cooks. I'm not calling a grown man a baby, but kind of pouting in a sense. Didn't play because of personal reasons, and we we can all speculate what they are, but I think it's clear because he wasn't traded. I don't think he expected to play after the trade deadline for the Houston Texans. But Pierce, I mean, Dorsett getting involved, Moore getting involved was two good bright spots. I think those are two, three, number three, number four wide receivers on any other team that stepped up for this offense that was missing their top two playmakers at wide receivers. So you got to give them credit how they responded. And to see the rookie tight end, Quintoriano, who hmm. in his first action got a TD, that was good, right? Another guy you want to just see what you got. Houston drafted Kaheli Waring a few years back, and he absolutely amounted to nothing. <laughs> so now you got this rookie tight end who can provide size, six 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 seven, right, can be a red zone threat. And I'm not doing this because of the – lineage that Nick Asirio has come from, but he does have a body size and shape of a you know, grunt. So maybe I mean, he is, he is a, going. but maybe he is a, a valuable threat for this Houston offense moving forward as maybe a red zone target or maybe a guy that can get involved as a receiver and blocking at the line of scrimmage. Overall, I thought in the first half, the offensive line played phenomenally well and the play calling offensively was something that, I owe Pep Hamilton an apology, right? And, again, this is why I believe that Dorsett provided something Brandon Cooks was not able to do so because the offense had moments during that game where I thought, wow, this is why you bring in Pep Hamilton. Then you have moments throughout the game where it's a head scratcher, but I think that that is because still due to the limitations of your quarterback. Davis Mills, two TDs, two interceptions. I thought he played phenomenal in that first half. The second half, again, is where the game kind of sped up. Uh, Nick Soriano, Soriano made some adjustments at halftime. And I think, again, adjustments for the Houston Texans after halftime has been a very big Achilles heel for them because the lack of adjustments I've seen um, that they've made to win some games. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. We apologize for it being too late. Man, that intro to the game last night was phenomenal, <laughs> man. And for for, the, for y'all who know Houston and love Houston, you know why that's great. Um, but make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.